You're listening to the Unreasonable Fridays Podcast Network. Morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Unreasonable Fridays. I'm your host, Aaron Rand Freeman, and with me, I have the completely healthy, completely unmedicated Dasha Mitchell. I don't even know where I am right now. This is the um, first annual flu cast. Um, if you have the flu or flu-like symptoms, then this show is for you. Um, we are both afflicted. With some form of zombie virus. And um, what we're hoping for is that one or both of us acquires the powers of the Daywalker, not unlike Blade. Just one of us needs to. Like, we don't, everyone doesn't need to be the Daywalker. That'd be greedy. But if one of us does, that'd be really good for morale. I should go get some swords. Right. I feel like I I could handle some swords. This is now like week, I don't know, 73 of me being sick. I mean, you've been sick for a month now. It's ridiculous. And before y'all are like, oh, you should have gotten the flu shot, Dasha. Guess what? I did. The whole family did. I inoculated the bunch of them. We still end the in the the shot. Everyone should get it. Always get the flu shot. But what it did was it tricks you into thinking you have a cold. Because if you do have the flu shot and you get the flu, you don't get the flu the same way. It just is sort of this lingering entity like i feel like i've been possessed by the laziest demon (laughs) like it's just like yeah like the power you know like i'm the worst thing kind of that's ever happened i guess it's kind of like a like nice in here i'm gonna hang out for a bit it's like a fickle mucus god yeah it's just like you you just when you're sick you're sick sort of and the only time you really get more sick is when you try to act well when you feel good Yep. And you try to do some good feeling people. And you're stuff. like, I'm healthy now. And he's like, no, 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 no. Uh, I'm still here. Nope, still here, bud. All right, two and nine are gonna knock you on your ass for about yep. sixty hours. Uh, and um yeah. Yep. There you go. That's it. And the only only the only mistake you made was not acting sick even while you were the goal is to act sick all the time. Just this this don't work. Everybody quit their jobs. Yep. Just be sick. Just go to bed. Go to bed. Don't get up for five weeks we're gonna lead the show with this if you have flu like symptoms (laughs) and you're at work you should get up right now and leave work this is this this disease is just further proof as to how broken our just capitalism and our healthcare system is like we should all feel fine about taking six weeks to recover from an illness right and instead i'm like no i have things to do I have to do, I have children and I gotta get a job and, and you know, so there's no time to actually recover because you have things that you have to do. Even if I'm doing them slower, I'm still doing them. And this disease, you should not do anything, apparently. You are under the gun. Um, If you are sick, you are still responsible for yourself in every conceivable way. And um, there are several systems that delight in taking advantage of any type of hiccup caused by illness. Yeah. So if you get sick, too sick to mess up, to miss one or two things, then everything is everything everything is fucked up for months and months on end. So you have to drag yourself around. And then also you're, I mean, in the certain people, if you are scared to even get help because it just costs money. Yeah. I mean, I didn't go and get any help. I have health insurance. And I didn't go and take care of it because I didn't think this was the flu. I thought it was a cold and there's really, there's no reason to go. I don't see a reason to go see a doctor. We got a cold. Just go to bed, drink some water, sleep for a couple days and you'll be fine. Right. That's not what this is though. This is the flu. And last, so what happens is you're, I spoke to a doctor about this. And if you've had the flu shot, for those of you who are curious, I'm sure everyone is. Pull up a seat, everybody. It's the flu cast. There, is, there are yeah, several the flu people. Cast, the flu cast. There are people. <laughs> several people who are sick right now that are like, really? What do doctors say? Because they can't afford to go hear what a they doctor has to say. So here's the deal: if you got the flu shot, or if you if you actually received it, um, 
what happens is you may have a low grade fever, um, but it's so low grade, you may not even notice it. And which does come on fairly quickly. So like you get, you start to feel a rapid decline into, oh, I'm sick. That's sort of like, I am moving through slow mode now. <laughs> like that happens pretty mm -hmm. quickly. Um, and then you're sick for like five to seven days, like full on like sneezing, nose running, headache, all of that stuff. And then you start to feel better. And then that's when your body is actually fighting the virus still in your body. So your whole immune system is basically at like full on DEFCON 1 trying to fight this flu disease for like two, three weeks. So you go from feeling like I feel better. And then you start to get up and move around like a human being. And then your body is like, no, we don't have the resources for this. And then you suddenly feel achy and tired. And you're like, what the fuck? I was just feeling better. What is happening? Yeah. Your immune system is just, is tanking. Okay. So it's li literally trying to stop your body from replicating into a virus. Okay, so if you are if you are sick, and even if you feel better, take that extra day, take that extra sick day from work. Even if you're sitting there yep. walking around, enjoying yourself on your day off, take that sick day. That's really the moral can. of the story. Take if you can that work from day. home, if you can just if you can, but that's the best. You shouldn't. It shouldn't be an if you can. It should just be hey everybody who has equal access to great health care, stay home. Well, and everybody should be able to go like okay, thanks, Dasha. I mean, it would make the most sense for, um, in the interest of, um, like, if we are trying to, if we do want slave labor, it would be in our best interest to let people take the two or three days they need so that we can keep them for the 14 straight days that we'll need as an employer. You know, like, the idea is you work everybody to the point where they miss three months because they've had the flu for two months and they got, like, walking pneumonia and bronchitis. Their brain is melting. When you could have just let them take two extra days off, and then you have them, and you can make them work on Christmas and Thanksgiving and Festivus or whatever, or Kwanzaa, whatever day normal people would take off. You can then you can then you know run your capitalism scam, and force them to work, as opposed to losing them for a month because of an illness that grew because you don't we don't allow anyone to rest in this country. I just want to say that Unreasonable Fridays in no way advocates for slavery. <laughs> no, we do not advocate for slavery, mostly because it's done incorrectly. <coughs> Oh. The I'm wrong saying. people are enslaved. Is that what you're saying? Listen, we don't pay our slaves enough. Oh, that's that's see, right? That's how slavery. Here's the deal, and I we mean, don't pay is, them, right? But well, we need—they're not supposed to be paid, right? But, but what if we what if we revamped it a little bit, which is then less? It's not slavery. I think we're gonna. I think. Well, that's the thing. I hear what you're saying. But I'm thinking that maybe if we were to package treating your employees well and then having a mutually beneficial relationship as slavery, it would seem more interesting to employers and capital and, and yeah, it would be more interesting to employers. So like if, what if we if we just tried to rebrand slavery? Because I think that like a lot of employers like the power of being the employer. So by calling okay. it slavery and even though we're just kind of operating on a system where you're respecting your employees but still acting like it's slavery, then maybe they'd be more amenable to treating their employees like human beings. I'm just no. saying maybe it's like a rebrand no. for the benefit of the American worker mm -mm. so that we'd be like, oh, fine, we're slaves, whatever, great job, boss. And we still get mm -mm. all our sick days and we treat it like humans. And the I'm, I'm just trying, I'm just trying, I'm, I'm spitballing here. I think that's some Musinex talking. Mm-mm. <laughs> That's the music next talking. <laughs> I'll own it. We can't be. We can't be having no no slavery. Even you can't be like. There's no good. There's no good slavery. Very definition of it is that you are not an actual human being. You're a piece of property. Right. <clears throat> and, and, no. No. I, I, it sounds like you may be arguing for some kind of uh, like uh, friendly indentured servitude system. Right. I'm saying we now. Call I would it... argue we already have that. Yeah. Barely friendly. Yeah. Yeah, we bear not friendly. We just have a system of indentured servitude. Um, but you know, no, the, the I think I think slavery is a brand. <laughs> slavery as an institution, it's all bad.
it'd be kind of like sugar-free Coke. Because Coke without the sugar isn't really Coke, but we still have it there. And it's just like a brand. Some people just want to say they're drinking. It's called that. Right. It's just called Coke. New but slavery. It's just, right. It's called slavery, but it's not, there's no slavery in it. It's just called slavery for the terrible people that really value the power that they wield over everything else. They could be like, man, I'm still, you know, I'm a rich white man. All these people answer to me. But on the inside, oh, you know, I, everyone. I see what you're saying. Right, so, like, basically, just tell all the all the boss people. Guess what? Slavery's legal now, but right. then actually, the actual it meat isn't of, right, and it's just an equitable. It's just an equitable form of, of treating your employees, in treating your employees reasonably across the board, respecting them as humans, and uh, allowing them time for human activities like being sick, and not forcing them to. Um, to serve to trade themselves in for the right to live at but all i think i think the problem is that the the bosses would still have an idea of what slavery was supposed to be uh, um they would be like no but i'm a slave owner i get to i but i i get to do this i get to you you have to do all the things i tell you to well hmm, i'm wondering how we could give them the perks the feeling of power by tricking them into like actually being decent while giving them the you're talking, appearance. You're talking about like a, like oppressor busy work. Yes. <laughs> like the appearance. Yeah. The appearance. Like you hand a kid a controller with no with an unplugged controller and they feel oh, like they're playing so a video just, game. I think, I think what we need to do is we need to lock up all of the billionaires in a prison. Right. Because if you are a billionaire, it is criminal and you should go to jail, lock them up in a prison, but it's like a chateau. And so they have all the things that they could ever want and need. Right. But they can't leave that place. And all of the people who are they are lording over are just like images on a screen. And so they can do whatever they want to, like hit a button and like that person gets like tortured or whatever. But it's all fake. This is the best Black Mirror episode ever. That'd be wild. Yeah. They're just like they they think that they're doing terrible fucked up things right it'd be like elysium where we're like oh earth has cancer rich people we got a place yeah. for you don't be down here with all these sick poor brown people we go up to here we have a satellite planet man-made everything you need orbits the moon don't worry only the really really wealthy and intelligent and attractive people get to come up and not die of whatever is bothering these poor poor stupid brown people what do you guys say and matt damon is it matt damon in that um matt damon was in it isn't it just like brown people and matt damon oh yeah it was Matt. yeah it was brown people and their favorite white boy yes <laughs> which is he's not he's not white boy. it's just i don't and then they yeah that, that, i'm not gonna get into that movie but yes no so we put them all up in their man-made satellite island and we give them false reports of the earth being miserable and we say we're paying for proper military and defense so that none of these poor, poor, sick, poor, 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 sick, poor people come up here and get any of you infected. When, in fact, we're taking all their money and creating an equitable landscape yes. for everyone on Earth using yes. their money. So the rich people feel like they've gotten over and they have gotten over. They're up there in their planet. It's really nice. It's white. And Jody's Foster's up there. It's great. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's kind of it, like the, the it's like a daycare center. Right. It's the whole planet where the rich can feel really rich and powerful. They can get really satisfying. They can get really good quality reports of misery down on the surface. And then we um, use their resources to, um, you know, provide um, opportunities Healthcare. for everyone else. <laughs> Done. Look at that. We solved it. We fixed it, guys. We fixed it. Everybody go home. Yay. If you like that solution, <laughs> you can up. donate a anywhere from a dollar to eighty four point one million dollars at uh, patreon.com backslash on Friday. Um, the eighty four million dollars to go to all mem- all manner of frivolity, including gold fang fronts. And I want some of those. right. Um uh i imagine several several maseratis um for street racing only 
all white yes. garments for all hosts of Unreasonable Friday shows. Um, a mansions with several rooms that nobody uses. Uh-huh. And the purchasing of art that will never be hung up inside those mansions where everyone inside of it is wearing all white. All the time. All the time. And just posing. Right. And there's also just like random exotic animals slowly right. walking the grounds. Right. White peacocks, white tigers. Right. Just here to let you know that for your $84 million donation to Unreasonable Fridays, absolutely nothing of substance will happen that will benefit <laughs> the world at large. Every host will be doing the most ridiculous stuff possible on that money and we will record it and we will make but nothing of substance it will mm -hmm. not go to expanding the brand it will not go to um creating any type of workable sustainable um company it will not go to feeding anyone it will go actually no we will only eat ostrich eggs <laughs> <clears throat> and we will season it with um unicorn horn grinded and that is what we will do. So just letting you know, anywhere from a dollar to $84 million. $84 million donations will go to peak frivolity. Yep. And um, you will be reminded why we can't have anything. We'll just put a watermark on it, on the image of, of, of that. We'll have an Instagram feed and we'll watermark the images with a thank you note to you. <laughs> Every single right. one. <laughs> exactly. that makes no, none of this makes any sense. I will even drive, they will even dye my dreadlocks white. <laughs> oh, no. So weird. That's right. And not only is it frivolous, but it just gives the appearance of just being generally unhinged with our money. Like as soon as the money touched our hands, <laughs> we became eccentric rich people. Just like completely out of touch. Right. As soon as completely it happened, out of touch. your son will be riding around on an ostrich all day. Because it's his ostrich, just his. Because yeah, we have but um this reminds me of uh an ostrich story. story? No, a story that's I think serves as a a uh, a good fable for all of us. Billionaire diamond trader dies during penis enlargement procedure. Right, right. <laughs> that man had billions upon billions of dollars, but he wanted a bigger dick, and he died, and now that's his legacy. What I want to know. Is because was I could it in, do... was it was it already enlarged when he died, or right. did he die with a small dick? Right. Also, <laughs> um, rest assured, I would never do something as silly as that. I would um, enlarge my penis with diamonds, <laughs> so my penis would be always erect and filled with diamonds every step I take. Thank you for your because of the the good natured. $84 million donation. Patreon.com backslash on Fridays. Yes. Every time you'd hear me after that donation, you'd know that I have a penis filled with diamonds paid for by you, the listener. <laughs> so I would never make the mistake of a basic enlargement because that would downplay the, that, that, that my audience, our audience wants us to have only the best things. So just having a basic penis enlargement would be downplaying the importance uh, we they are importance to the community by filling it with diamonds i'm then connecting with the audience and i'm saying to the audience that's saying they see me that i see you right back <laughs> patreon.com backslash on fridays ladies and gentlemen it's just so unreasonable <laughs> we have news various stories of um import about the yeah. day to discuss about the news the news is here dasha has the news we have the news i have i have the news so i guess like the the one of the top things that folks are talking about this week is um one mr robert kelly mm. um who is thankfully back in jail Good. and i just i'm I'm troubled for so many reasons, but I think one is that uh, there's the overwhelming response to uh, uh, the interview that he 
uh, that he had with Gail King. Um, I think she's a great interviewer. I think she's often under, like, just kind of underestimated. Right. By folks. Like, that was, that was master class interviewing. She knew she was walking into the into a room with an abusive, malignant narcissist, and she gray rocked the hell out of him. You know what that means to gray rock somebody? No, ma'am. Was that so? When when you're dealing with someone who is a malignant narcissist, like every single thing that you do is immediately twisted into like uh, somehow making them better and reducing your worth. Everything, <laughs> everything that you say is about them. And is taking away is just like they're like uh uh vampires, they're like social vampires. Mm -hmm. And so you could be talking about like I was walking with my kids to the store, and suddenly that'll become like all about them and everything that and how great they are, and it's just all about them. Right. And so if you are having to deal with somebody who has is gone from the like uh then the part of being a nice person and a narcissist, which is often the case, they're often charming when you first meet them and can win people over and they, they make that steady decline into being abusive. Then you get to see like, just like you, you have to completely distance yourself from this person because they will use any language that you have against you to attack you. Hmm. Um, and anybody who's been the victim of a narcissist knows this. And so seeing uh mr one mr robert kelly who was also doing this the only way to deal with a person if you have to deal with them is called the gray rock um effect which is basically like you're not giving them anything and it's really hard to do right. to basically be this like to show no affect to show no real even empathy for this person Gail was literally just trying to get answers. Right. And so when he stood up, well, when he first started crying, she was just like, I, okay. <laughs> like just, and just was not like, there was no offering of Kleenex. There was no like, I know this is so hard for you, Mr. Mm -hmm. Kelly. She didn't do any of that. She just waited. She just went quiet and waited. And then when, that wasn't getting the appropriate response. He turns to the camera. He's not even talking to Gail. And he's like, I'm fighting for my life, screaming. And then he jumps up and he starts like gesticulating and wiling out. And so there's this picture of him like very frighteningly like standing up and like gesturing towards her. And she's just like sitting quietly and staring at him like, <laughs> I'll wait. And if you watch the video, she just all that she says very calmly is, robert which is like i could feel all every auntie everywhere like saying my name <laughs> like, ah! <laughs> but but she didn't i think it would be a disservice to say that she just is is um that she didn't practice that because i bet she did hmm. because i think that the danger that we run into is that like this is this is an image of like um how the the strength and fortitude and um the ability for for a black woman to be able to kind of resist the violence of masculinity and i think that the story that we see is actually somebody who just was incredibly prepared to deal with a specific type of person hmm. and i think that what we saw was someone who like gail works incredibly hard She's very good at her job. Right. And we saw someone who walked into a room incredibly prepared, not out of some like innate, like I'm summoning my ancestors as much as all the memes talk about this, <laughs> um, but really just about like practicing with, with people and understanding what it is that she's going to need to do right. and what to expect from him. Because what I saw when she was sitting there while he's jumping up and being you know, rash and emotional is that she was, she predicted that he would do that. Right. Because she predicted he would do that. She knew how she needed to, to, to be in order to deescalate and continue with the interview. Mm -hmm. I saw preparedness. I saw professionalism mm. is what I saw. 
And I also saw a man who was cornered. And I saw a man who was also performing not just for um, to try to win over Gail, which wasn't working. He's basically like, I'm going to throw this at you. I'm going to throw that at you. And none of it was working. But from what I understand, she interviewed him and then she interviewed um, his two, quote, girlfriends. Mm. Prisoners. <laughs> They're prisoners. Um, on the same day. Hmm. At the, and they were all there together and she tried to interview the two women separate from him and he actually managed to get into the room while they were interviewing and then was doing stuff like clearing his throat to let them know that he was there hmm. so when he was when, the, when we saw the first interview I also think that he stood up and got loud because he wanted them to know that he, what he how he was behaving as another form of control hmm. So did this interview need to happen? Man, I don't uh, I don't know. Like on the one hand, yeah, Gail was a professional. It's it's hard to say no to a situation like that, I understand, but I'm not sure how much we learned from it other than um everybody got what they think about the situation confirmed. Right. I mean, you know, Robert Kelly he will um criminal he, he will um, incriminate himself if he keeps talking yep which is the what only was that business about the shoes and the uncle down the street he made a comment about how he's trying to uh why would someone keep a little keep a girl from like her uncle trying to buy her some shoes keep down the street or something like that some unusually Very specific, specific specific example um that you know doesn't sound like any any it doesn't sound like anything off the cuff to prove a point and it also wasn't like something that we saw publicly. It wasn't right. part of like the documentary. It wasn't part of, it's not one of the stories that's out there. Right. So it wasn't like part of the sort of R. Kelly abuse canon. Right. It just was like, wait, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. You just added something else to this story. Mm. What I do find interesting is that is, I wasn't as terrified as say, there's been a lot of comparisons made between him and Kavanaugh. Right. And I wasn't as terrified of Robert Kelly as I was of Brett Kavanaugh. Watching Brett Kavanaugh was horrifying, scary. And I think it's important to note why that is. Mm. On the one with Robert Kelly, yes, he's a scary person. And I felt more like sadness for the victims of his abuse. But if anything, he's almost seemed like small. Like a very scary but small man mm -hmm. who was cornered and is hopefully going to be going to pay for his crime. With Brett Kavanaugh, there's power there. He's going to the Supreme he's on the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. He has the power to literally control my life. R. Kelly doesn't have any control over my life. Right. They're um, they're even trending in different directions though. Right. Which is wild. It's wild. Um, yeah, R. Kelly is his his control over any aspect of my life is barely acknowledged. There's no. I think he has control over a lot of women, though. He does, and I can see that. And that is, I hope that there can be some time where, like, even even the women who he's never actually met but are still like trying to send him money. Um, I hope someday can heal from this because, like, they're victims too. Um, but Brett Kavanaugh, it's like he's because he has such wide-reaching power. Um, I think that's why he was so much more terrifying to watch. I can see it. Like Unhinged, it powerful white man, scary. Also, um, just. I'm going to go ahead and say that because I've seen it. I've seen it get kicked around that people were trying to replace the crying Jordan meme with the crying R. Kelly meme. No, which we do mustn't do that. The crying Jordan meme is because he's the greatest basketball player of all time crying when he's right. a notorious curmudgeon, not an yeah. actual sexual abuser and in prison. He's, no. he's not like Robert Kelly is actually a terrible monster. Like I even as I he's find a child myself child rapist. Right. Even as I find myself laughing at the odd meme. 
I don't think that I think we need to stay focused on the fact that he's a legitimate true monster. Crying Jordan yes. meme is funny because he's Michael Jordan. We don't yeah. have a lot to go on except he's a curmudgeon and we call him crying that time while being a curmudgeon during a Hall of Fame speech. Yeah. Robert Kelly is a legit all-time monster who we mustn't forget. <laughs> we mustn't forget his crimes under any circumstances. So even if the jokes are funny, now isn't the time. Time and place. No. Now is not the time because we haven't we haven't sorted anything out. He's not going to jail. We haven't even gotten to the point where we all agree that he's a rapist. So it's not funny. Nothing's funny. Yeah. We have not no. agreed. We have not agreed that he's a rapist as a society. No. Which means we can't laugh at his crying face. We cannot. No. And like I'm I completely understand. Like my my fear response to stuff is to laugh, which is frankly bizarre and often awkward. And I'm sorry to anybody who's ever like snuck up on me and I've just like burst out laughing. <laughs> it's probably terrifying. Um so I can understand just a thing that people do is to try to laugh at something that is like truly the worst thing. Right. It's, it's our kind of our basis instinct, but also to be thinking full human beings. Right. And to understand that like, yeah, that can be a response that you need to cope with this, but you also still need to cope with it in reasonable terms without hurting other people. So like there are literally still women being held hostage by this man, right? It's who are so twisted up that they can't even they don't know which way's up, right? So yeah, it's it's not funny. No, it's not. Yeah. We we can't laugh until we can. I agree until we can get a consensus on what's happening, which we don't have. Yeah, yeah, we 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 do not. Um. Yeah, I think that's all I needed to talk about with Kelly. So, I mean, I'm certain that he will continue to incriminate himself as time passes. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, he's in jail because he couldn't pay for child support, even though he's yelling in the in the interview about how he's trying to take care of his kids. <laughs> and I'm like, when you say I'm trying to to help my kids, do you mean your girlfriends or <laughs> do you mean your children? Yep. Yeah. So, because you owe your kids like $160,000. Um. Anyway, he's in jail. Um, <clears throat> I have not watched Michael Jackson leaving Neverland, mm. but at some point I will. Okay, and we can talk about it. But like, I just I haven't seen it, so I know a lot of people have. I hope folks are taking care of themselves and watching it. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't. It's your uh, actually your reminder to um, you do not need to watch anything that's mortifying or yeah, triggering. and also yeah, you don't have just cause, to just because you, you see don't... it kicking around on Facebook and Twitter does not mean you are under the gun. Just nope. to be very clear about that. Yep. So, yeah, we don't. We'll come. We'll come back to it at another time, or we won't. Right. It's not. We are not. As I was telling Dasha, is like I'm not gonna put you under the gun to watch something terribly triggery for the podcast. If you get around to it, so be it. Yeah. If not, then it's perfectly fine. There's a lot and, going on as as America is growing up really, really fast. You get faced with a lot of terrible stuff. Like I am, I am a dude. <coughs> I cannot imagine as a black woman, all the stuff you are, you are faced with, you are reminded of just like in, just in, uh, just in publicly consumable media. Just as you, yeah. as you flick through HBO go, you're like, Oh, let me watch John Oliver. Oh wait, here's this documentary about Michael Jackson's, uh, Michael Jackson's victims. Yeah. And it's just like this. <clears throat> I would say if, I mean, we're not, I don't think we're above plugging other podcasts if it's good. Um, I listen to uh, Still Processing out of the New York Times. Yeah. And they they do a pretty good discussion about like the impact, not just of, not so much about Michael Jackson and the documentary, <clears throat> but just like what role that plays now in our culture, considering how um foundational michael jackson's talents were to um american popular culture like how do you how do we grapple with that so pop over there after you're done listening to us 
and um, then give us a few bucks for credit for pointing you there. <laughs> this is New York Times. They don't need money. <laughs> As a matter of fact, as you donate your $84 million, just make that in the, put that in the, in the reason why is like New York Times doesn't need this shit. Yeah. Sorry, Jenna Wortham. <laughs> You're fine. Um, in, uh, through the looking glass news, mm. of the world being upside down. I woke up this morning to my a New York Times alert <laughs> called the case. It was a, it's an op-ed that was published today called The Case for Reparations. And I'm like, oh, did Tadahasi write a sequel? <laughs> and no, it's by David Brooks. That right-wing fellow? Yeah. The, the dude who wrote The Problem with Wokeness. I mean... The dude who said that it was it was too remember when um that dude over at Google wrote the anti-diversity memo? Yes. David Brooks like came to that defense of that guy James Damore. This is the same David Brooks who's now like, hey. He calls himself a slow convert to the cause. Um I don't I don't know. I don't this left me absolutely speechless. Hey, I hate to be this person. Be the person, because I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> I think reparations are... You ever play Mario, and you skip, yeah. you find a warp pipe that puts you like yeah. four worlds ahead? No, 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 no. Right. That's what the reparations discussion has come for a lot of white folks. where So they can skip over the granular discussions about daily institutional racism and microaggression being like, y'all niggas deserve reparations. God, slavery sucks. You deserve, you guys deserve reparations. This is hard. You deserve, you listen, listen, black people, you deserve it. And in taking that stance, it's like some type of, it's just like taking all the discussions about racism, all the slow, painful ones that requ require you to, Look in and 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 and, so, and and you know take it, take stock, think about yourself, your place in the world, how you interact with people of color. Just take it all in a dinner cloth and just <clears> throw <throat> it. Just like wrap it all up. Be like reparations, guys. Great, yeah, woo. I think that's literally the point of the reparations discussion in politics right now, because no one yeah. has a platform. <laughs> it's just something is like, do you think reparations is a thing? Yes or no. And skipping yeah. a lot. You're skipping a lot to get here I to mean, have this discussion to talk it's about. It's wild though that one, and I know I'm about to like bring on some pain, but I'll, we'll deal with it. One Bernie Sanders. Hey, it's Bernard with, Sanders. Bernard Sanders. Now this was episode like, will have three thousand more listeners. You yeah, said Bernard great. Sanders. Bernard yes. Sanders. Um, was asked about reparations and then he just launched into a whole thing about why he shouldn't be cutting checks right. and it's like sir you've never read a word about what reparations is or means right. and yet i read this david brooks op-ed and here's a quote from these thoughts, we can appreciate the truth that while there have been many types of discrimination in our history, the African-American and the Native American experiences are unique and different. Theirs are not immigrant experiences, but involve a moral injury that simply isn't there for other groups. Slavery and the continuing pattern of discrimination aren't only an attempt to steal labor. They are an attempt to cover over a person's soul, a whole people's soul. How is it that David Brooks has a better more nuanced understanding because that shit i mean I don't, I'm, I'm a skeptic i don't trust i that. mean i'm I a huge skeptic because i've read david brooks right a captain captain white racist hot take here's the deal i think a but, lot a lot of white folks have really good observations of racism as long as it does not implicate them or their actions at all at any point if a white person if white people if you had an if you had a hot take a beautifully written take on racism and then you never had to worry about racism as it pertains to you and your actions ever again, white people would have the most beautifully written observations about the pain of the African-American citizen 
since they were brought here against their will. But eventually, race, sessions of racism always land in your lap, which is why they melt down. So I, this is the thing. It's like he, the reparations allows him a really good, a good chance to be eloquent and just wash his hands of the whole thing. And he's taking it with vigor and panache. He's doing it. Yeah. I mean, there's still... It's definitely, like, someone who's coming at this, like, I feel... This reads like he... Like, did he have lunch with Ta-Nehisi Coates yes, one did. day that turned into, like, late afternoon drinks that turned into, like, them going bowling together? Listen. He, and he, David Brooks came out the other side like, this nigger's got a point. <laughs> he read some books. I'm certain he read, I'm certain he read some books. Yeah, I just and, repar- and like I said, and like I said, the discussion of reparations, like white folk, David Brooks ain't gonna, he ain't got nothing. To, if, listen, if all of a sudden we woke up and the president was Viola Davis and she was like, "Don't worry <laughs> about this bullshit. Don't don't ask why. I can't explain. Reparations are on, niggas." He would have nothing to do with that process of how the hell do we actually address? Oh right, yes. So he's Absolutely. talking right out of his ass about something that has nothing to do with him eloquently he's read everything but this just has nothing to do with him the whole concept of reparations has everything to do with everyone else but him so he can speak on it as much as he wants as eloquently as he likes Scott, it's great Sweet well enough. i think i think that actually like that that point is actually hammered home with his last statement which is reparations are a drastic policy right. and hard to execute mm-hmm. it's not actually um and is it drastic? Is it? Is it more drastic? I mean, it seems like reparations is actually far less drastic than enslaving million and murdering and raping millions of people. Right. But, yeah. Um, and hard to execute. But the very act of talking about and designing them heals a wound and opens a new story. Does it heal a wound? Or are you just dressing a wound? Right. I don't know about the healing, like the act of talking about and designing reparations doesn't make me feel like that's like saying I want to write a book and then I write a paragraph summary of what I want the book to be about. And then I say my book is done. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've already got basically everything that I need, right? Right. (laughs) So I'm all good. I do agree that that talking about it, yes, is like that's what needs to happen. It needs to be a broad conversation. That's what Tanasi Coates was calling for years ago. So people have been calling for for 150 years. But I think that it, yeah, like this framing of it as like just even talking about it makes everything okay is still a very like white supremacist way right. of going about talking about this how however i will say this dear white folks if david fucking brooks can get to this point i believe in you is all i'm saying you can get here too at least to here which is not good enough but it's someplace you can get to this point. What you're saying is an abstr- it's, it's okay to say that slavery was bad in, in abstractly, like forever. Like it's okay to get to that point where you're like, yeah. this is bad. You're and- safe. Slavery was bad. <laughs> it's, it's the original sin of, sin of America. You are now, it is, you can say this. And also central to enslaving people from africa was racism and generated out of it and then was circulated as a way to continue to control black people once they were enfranchised it's also okay to acknowledge that (laughs) you have my permission racism is real say it with me (laughs) and has caused horrific disparities in society that need to be rectified financially and systematically. 
All right. That seems to be pretty hard for a lot of folks to say, but I'm telling you, if David Brooks can get there, it's like <clears throat> this reminds me of like a, um, a conversation that I had with uh, a senior faculty member back when I was at NYU. She was visiting. She had come to lecture and I was invited to go out to, to dinner with like my advisor and her and a bunch of other people. And she was talking, we were talking about getting jobs um, once we were, uh, once we had finished our degrees and how to negotiate for salary because it's all very opaque and, you know, there's horrific pay disparities in academia, just like every place else or between men and women, particularly for like women of color. Anyway, so she tells this story about how she was wooed and recruited by a very elite Ivy League school. Right. And she's me and she's met with everybody and it's green light city everywhere. And she's finally meeting with like the dean or whatever. And the topic of money comes up and he's like, I'm very excited to, you know, that you're here and we're so excited about your work and all the like possible flowery things that you could blow up somebody's ass. And for that, we would like to offer you, you know, insert some inadequate number here. And said that she was prepared for a low number. And so what she did was she just sat there stone faced. Kind of like the gray rock thing. <laughs> just sat there stone faced and it grew increasingly uncomfortable in that room. And he was like, he repeated himself because he thought maybe she just didn't hear it. And then more discomfort. And then he says, well, actually, you know, come to think of it, it would probably be, be better if we, you know, we could always add this, that, and the other, you know, and we just, we actually just, I real, I completely forgot we just got this grant. We can actually add this. And he raises the number. <laughs> she still sits in silence. And it eventually gets to a point where he offers her a number. And she says, okay, now we can start negotiating. So that's where I feel like we are with this David Brooks article. <laughs> He's finally thrown out a number. I have a goal in mind that's reasonable. And we can start negotiating <laughs> to move everybody forward. So that's where he is. We can start talking. Okay, David Brooks. I still think he has a very long way to go. But it was very shocking <laughs> to see David Brooks, the case for reparations <laughs> on my phone. Huh. It's huh. very shocking. I hope he continues to read and learn and grow. Well. Yeah. That's what I say about, about David Brooks. Yeah, well, and he should. He also should go back and read his old stuff. I mean, the problem with wokeness, sir. Well, that implicates him. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> so wokeness, wokeness above all else, puts the responsibility. It puts the responsibility of understanding more humans in the laps of privileged people, which is why they freak out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I can see he's he's probably still anti wokeness. But he is really, really understanding reparations as it has nothing to do with him. He's kind of an asshole for that. Yep. So, I mean, that, I guess that must be the problem when white people make these large steps and they're like, cool, <laughs> here's how I feel about this. And you go, oh, that's really good. You're still an asshole. And You're here's still why. still not there yet, sir. Like, not only is this actually just is, this makes you seem like you're trying to pass the buck with, like, vigor and panache. You're not wrong. But we see you. Yeah. And, um. Yeah. He also quotes Ta-Nehisi quotes in that article as well. I really, I think he's just, I think he just keeps rereading the book over and over again, I mean, which is good. And maybe every time he reads it, he learns a little. He he becomes more of a real boy. You think he's obsessed with the book like like James James Jonah Jameson or whatever, as obsessed with Spider Man? Like he's just reading Ta-Nehisi Coates and he's just like that son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Ta-Nehisi Coates is a menace. <laughs> He just reads his book every day. He's got pictures of him all over. He's got like a wall with like red thread connecting That's things. That's right. Where are they going to pop up next? 
Tanahasi. <laughs> it was like he's like writing Black Panther comics and shit and disappearing everywhere. It's like when yeah. is it gonna stop? <laughs> so when it stopped. Yeah. All right. Do you have enough room? Because I know you're sick. I'm sick. So we have one and... more. We squeeze in one more thing of your choice, unless you're gonna push it. But I don't think you should, because Mucinex is a hell of a drug. It's wild. Right. Um, can we talk for a moment about what is going on with mayonnaise? Mucinex <laughs> is a hell of a drug. Yeah. I don't. Okay. So I will freely admit that I have used mayonnaise. I do. It's I use a very a very thin layer <laughs> to kind of scrape across a piece of bread because it is a binding agent for a sandwich. Much like you put grout <laughs> to keep bricks together, I use it to keep my sandwich together as well as various other mustards and things. Right. It is not a substitute for anything. It's just a, it's just a binding agent. It's and thick. if you have a sandwich with that one, it's fine. <laughs> but now there's something they're they're doing things where they're combining mayo with other things. Yeah, that's um we um there's a thing where we uh think that mayonnaise in anything is aioli. No, that's not. No. So we I've we've made aioli. Aioli is what you make at home. Right. With a with a standing mixer or your wrist and it hurts. <laughs> You're trying to make aioli by hand. We a lot of places think that um taking an actual condiment and mixing it with mayonnaise makes it aioli, which is a common misconception. It's not as not no true. no that is not aioli true. is just it's it's egg it's egg whites and oil stirred just whipped into a frenzy. Throw some garlic in there, delicious. I don't know what mayo chup is. What was that? Mayo chup. Just, just mayo for, chup. Just phonetically. Chup. Phonetically. Mayo plus ketchup. Yeah, phonetically that that sounds like mayo because I don't. But ketchanaise <laughs> might have been another way to call it ketchanaise. That actually makes more sense <laughs> to me. Um, but they wanted to front load that mayo. So, but they've expanded. I guess mayo chup was really popular, and they now have mayo Q and Heinz mayo must. I think there is a certain subset of America that thinks very highly of mayonnaise, and um, I think we might be overstepping and might be overrating mayonnaise a bit in terms of its long-term usefulness. Because yeah. I think one thing, like a common thing, we mu we must understand, mayonnaise is not a condiment. Uh uh It's not a it's not an actual condiment. So to give it the responsibilities of a I'm condiment, you, it's a binding agent. Right. So that to give it, it a to give it the responsibilities of a condiment is um is is it's it's um poor casting. Yeah. It's not a leading. It's not a leading role. It's not meant for that. And um, it's important that we remember yeah. that. We have to say that every so often because mayonnaise enthusiasts get very, very happy about their willingness to put mayonnaise in anything is endearing. It was endearing at first, unnerving now. <laughs> and I think it's time that we had a discussion as Americans that we can say that um, mayonnaise is not a um, condiment above all else. Yeah, and we mustn't treat it as such. Mustn't miscast our. It's just there to keep our tuna together. <laughs> that's all it's there for. That's all it is. It's just a vehicle for keeping tuna together so that it if can you, go in if, your mouth. If you have a burger with mayonnaise and ketchup in it, the reason why you like that combined sauce is mostly because of the hard work of ketchup. Yes. If you have a sandwich with mustard and mayonnaise, the most of that taste you enjoy is mustard mustard it's important that we do not conflate the services of mustard with that of mayonnaise it's important mm -hmm. because it threatens apparently it threatens all of our safety because apparently there there is valuable shelf space being taken up 
by just taking half of half mustard, half mayonnaise, and having people put that on sandwiches. Like that's a good idea. I I mean I feel I feel um personally attacked by this. Why? <laughs> because like I don't I just why would you dilute barbecue sauce? Man. That's all that you're doing. You're just diluting it. What? Just if you don't want as much barbecue sauce on your sandwich, just put less. What? Why are? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this, Aaron? I um, I think it's. I mean, a... Heinz, just stop. What if they come out with a with a a mayo hot sauce, hot mayo? Gross. Right. <laughs> like mayo basco. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Right. May- hot mayo brought to you by crystals. No. Right. Um I will I will riot. It's <laughs> just something that we need to start to make a stand against yeah, now before it becomes a bit of a problem. That, we, that, we, I I take I take offense to this. I I'm if it's cultural, let me know. Like, I'll say this right now. I always say on the show, white people should rep their set. So yeah, if you're a white if this people... this is the thing, you're like, this is saving time. Because I always put mayo and mustard in my tuna salad. And that is why I do this. Right. Yeah, let us know. If mayonnaise is... Because maybe mayonnaise has a more cultural... Maybe mayonnaise has more cultural relevance than we understand. So maybe to us, we're like, mayonnaise is not a condiment. And there are some white folks like, shit! I like to dip my fries in it. I put some in my chocolate ice cream, you asshole. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> right. And if that is the case, um, it's important that you contact yeah, us, us and Defend let us it. know that. Come to the defense of mayonnaise. That there is more to mayonnaise. Of, com- of combined mayo flavors. There are vast cultural differences. There are several different Americas, several different cultures, several different time periods. All existing at once in this country. Is there gonna be like, is there dill mayo? I don't know. If I put in like mayo with pickle juice, right? If the if it exists, then let me know. Let us know here. Prove us wrong. I don't even want to be proven wrong because culturally, it just does. Like I just wanna, I just wanna get to the, I just wanna get to the David Brooks point where I'm just <laughs> like, where I'm just like, mayonnaise is important. To a case people. for mayonnaise right it is important to these people yes and while it's something that's drastic for me as an african-american to have half a bottle of mayonnaise and half a bottle of ketchup put together i understand that for these people that mayonnaise is of incredible importance and that we as americans have to understand what mayonnaise means to these people and have respect their culture as we go forward there you go that's that's where i want to get to that david brooks understanding of mayonnaise otherwise i think that's that's very um i just need need. open-minded of you that's all i need listen um i will say this there I, i just popped over to amazon mayo must has one review right with one star (laughs) <laughs> Does it, is it written is anything written fails to capture the spicy goodness of mustard and creamy richness of mayonnaise oh my god this product fails to capture the spicy goodness of mustard and the creamy richness of mayonnaise by blending rather than layering the flavor and texture has become a jumbled mess from now on i'm sticking with vonnie's mustard mayonnaise. i don't know what that is um well then, I feel like I just learned something new. I just I feel like I just peeked into somebody's medicine cabinet. <laughs> I don't know what that is. And <laughs> essentially, uh, essentially, they were, they they were they discovered the hard way that mayonnaise is not a leading man. It's not it any enjoyment you yeah, get out of mayonnaise. And also is, it, there should be strata, not. Com- you're not combining stop combining things strata 
I feel like that's that's Amer that's like that's white American food culture is taking foods and literally stirring them together like you're not uh, to them. like it's in a fine puree. Right. It's just that's mm-hmm. the thing because it really because any enjoyment like I said any enjoyment of mayonnaise you get is from the other things and whatever you're eating. And for you to think that mayonnaise can be combined literally, you can take half of a bottle of it and stir it up with another thing and then sell the bottle. That's yeah. pretty patriotic. We'll just say that in our rich history of this nonsense. This is right in line of a great line of American foods where we just combine two bits of nonsense, stir them up together, and call it food. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think that's our show. That's all we got. I think that's our show. Oh, quick side note. Please stop throwing cheese at babies. That's just rude. Stop doing that. Why are we doing this? I am so confused. We are better than this. It's not. Don't please stop. Don't throw cheese. At I don't. Stop throwing cheese. It's just like what rude. I I I I. It's one of those things, like Fortnite, where I understand that I might be older. Like I'm getting older when I see these things on the internet, and I feel there is no connection, and I just want it to stop. And uh-huh. I feel like that's me getting older. Because there must be some cultural relevance as to why we're throwing babies on throwing cheese on babies' faces. Yeah, I, I, don't I, I would prefer if we didn't. I don't understand why we do it. I feel like there are plenty of ways to get entertainment out of the baby. Maybe this is born out of. I'm not a parent. Do you think this was born out of just the general delirium of being a parent long term? Do you think some parent just I mean, absolutely lost their shit and it was like fuck it and threw a slice of cheese on their baby and posted it on the internet and then oh and then like tell me you tell me your mom um I don't think I would I would throw even in my like peak delirium state right I wouldn't throw a piece of cheese at a baby <laughs> however there were times when I was in the kitchen and maybe like one of the like either one of the kids was like in their little bumbo on the ground or just sitting on the ground. Mm-hmm. And if I ever dared to have processed cheese in my house, which I'm married to a Vermonter, so that's not allowed. He would divorce me. But let's say that I did have that in the house. And in making a sandwich, accidentally dropped it on the baby. And the baby just sat there and then started, and then like did one of those confusing, like, what is this thing? And then started laughing. I would laugh. And it was this accidental, like, one of those things that happens all the time where you accidentally drop something and it's comical and everyone laughs. But I would never just throw it at, no, I just, no. You know why? Why? I don't want anybody throwing cheese at my face. I don't want this to be a lesson that we're teaching to anybody that, like, this is a funny thing to do. No, it isn't. Don't throw that shit at my face. I'm excited for the, um. Instagram post where a college age kid throws cheese on another college age kid and that kid gets up and knocks the shit out of him. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm sure in college I've thrown cheese at another person in college. Sure. That's that's college antics. Sure. But I'm not doing, no, I'm not doing it to a baby. It's just, it's just rude. They don't understand what's happening. It's just, no. the, The joke goes over my head. I'll throw it at like a friend that I'm annoyed at in college. I'm probably feel a little bit bad about it afterwards, but you know, it's like they're annoying. They passed out and threw up all over my floor and they're on my sofa and I've got work to do and they're still here. And uh, actually, so I that, might just actually if they're passed out and I might just throw cheese on them. <laughs> I think. Fair enough. I'll, maybe that's what happened. Somebody was thinking of throwing cheese on an adult and didn't want to get hit with a chair, so they threw it on a baby. Baby baby. Also, like, oh, you're just you're just punching down. You're punching down. Stop punching down. I think that's the problem. Is if babies don't know what to do, they just take it off their face. Like, like what is this? What? Why would you do this? But to throw cheese on somebody that could potentially chase you in a dead sprint for five blocks. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, that is funny. All right, there you go, guys. Cheese up, guys. Cheese up. Cheese up, mayo down. That's our show, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Out of here. If you're sick, don't forget to leave work. 
Just leave. Don't even leave Just anything. Leave. Just be like, I'm sick, guys. I have the flu. Yep. Set your clocks. That's happening this weekend. Time's changing. Oh, yeah. Time's Everyone changing. freak out. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone. Are we springing forward, springing back, falling back, falling forward? It's been automated so long that I don't even know how it works anymore. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's just like, is it? Feels like it's 545. Man. Nope, it's 645. Cool. I just later my, than I thought it was. I just let my computer overload handle it. Listen, this is, all that's going to happen this weekend is you're going to wake up on Sunday and you're going to be like, ah, oh, it's later than I thought it would be. That's going to be your thought for the following week. It is way later than I thought it, it should be. Also, we shouldn't just keep doing this anymore. We should just keep the time what it is. Right. We're, 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 we've, we've slid on by. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. That's our show. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we yep. will be back uh, next week, possibly without the flu. No promises. No. See you guys next week. Bye. Enjoy what you heard? Become a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash unfridays and follow the network at twitter.com slash unfridays. Help us to take over the airwaves and destroy centuries of misinformation perpetuated by colonizer propaganda. Or, you know, buy us a coffee and a few video games. <laughs>